5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I'm John Meigs for the WDMA, bringing you marketing news from around the world every day. Today, we are going to talk about AI and potential uses in junk mail. So I did a little better job on my um, on my reels.ai website, and I got the pauses in there with some periods and stuff to slow them down a little bit. And I thought it was pretty good, to be honest. But, you know, I'm not that fussy, obviously. So you can probably hear the coffee per perking in the background. So let's get over to the... Let's get over to the real news. Okay, three big things. No, let's go first to this one. Marketing efficiency in a recession. Now, I haven't talked much about recession because I don't like the idea of thinking about it. I've worked through five or something recessions. You know, I was working in the 70s. And uh, nice to see you, Ted. And uh, I was working in the 70s. And, you know, these times feel a lot like that. You know, we used to stamp our our marketing brochures from our, from manufacturers with you know all prices increased by 10% or all prices increased by 20% or whatever. Jack Miller told me that when that when they were in the 70s and they had rampant inflation what they decided to do they were getting killed because they only mailed a catalog once a year. And he said, you know, we thought the we thought the customers would hate us, but we decided that we had to mail like flyers once a month because the prices were changing so fast. It had nothing to do with wanting to be in front of our customers. It had to do with, and you know, we thought it was going to be ridiculously expensive, but we just couldn't keep, we couldn't keep holding the line on prices when, when inflation was so crazy. And so they decided to do smaller uh, week or not weekly, monthly mailings. And he said that was what really triggered our business taking off. Something interesting to think about. He said, all of a sudden, we went from a book that was on the shelf that customers thought about when they couldn't find it anywhere else, you know, a, a supplier of last resort. All of a sudden, when we were on their desk every month, they started thinking, hey, I could buy more from these guys. And all of a sudden, we were their main office supply provider instead of the third tier or something like that. He said that was the big breakthrough for him was the high inflation period in the 70s. Okay, so I've been through, I don't know, four or five recessions. And a lot of times, part of the reason that I think our business picks up often is because people are looking for new ideas. You know, they, they realize if they just keep on the way they've been, it's not, it's not going to fit the, the current climate. So here's Jonathan Mills. I don't know what a BD strategist is. Business development, I suppose, maybe, you know. So he's a salesman. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so he says he's not going to tell you how to market your business in this article. But he's looking, he's, he's, he's going to discuss a way to save your company money during a recession. This is not what I expected. You know, what I expected this to be was how to make your marketing spend more efficient. Uh, in other words, how to how to put your ads in places that make more sense. And for that, mail is just gangbusters, you know, because you can measure it so well. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But that's not, what he, that's not what he was thinking. He was thinking, he said, he said, most companies reduce their willingness to spend on risky ventures and in general, a desire to cut costs. Okay. And I could talk all day. You know, I was talking with somebody that 
they were they were spending way six figures with Google every month. And you know, when you think about if you're spending five dollars a click with Google, then you're and Google says their bounce rate is 50%. So half the people that click never click anywhere on your your website. You take them to the landing page or the website and 50% just leave. They look around a little bit and they leave. And you say, whoa, yeah, but if I have a fancy landing page that I take them to that really shows them what they're looking for, well, then for sure I'll do better. Actually, landing pages, according to Google, uh, the bounce rate is 80%. So take that number, that $5, and either double it to 10 or quadruple it to, uh, to 20, something in that neighborhood, right? Uh, and, that's, and that's what you're really spending per qualified lead or per interested, interested person from Google, okay? Never mind how many of those might be bots and all the rest of it, okay? But, but you know, once you get to that number, whether it's $10 or $20, once you get to that number, now you're going to get a 1% or 2% response. Most of the, my digital friends will tell me. You know, it's not too bad once you get to that point, once you get past the bounce rate. But for a dollar, I can, I can put a beautiful catalog in, in the hands of millions of prospects. <laughs> and we can generate so much more business for you. You know, and I'm not saying that it'll pull 2%, right? But if you mail 100,000 pieces, you know, you're likely to get, what, 50,000 orders? No, 5,000 orders? You know, that's a half a percent, I think. So not too bad, you know, think about that. Anyway, that's what I thought he was going to talk about. But I'll stick that in there. Um, but what he says is, is that businesses that uh, their clients usually have internal marketing teams doing the exact same thing that they're doing. Looks like my encoder is breaking up, but it'll come back, I think. Some strange stuff I'm seeing on the... Ted, do you see strange stuff where it's all breaking up? Um, yeah, and it looks like it's everything's working. I've got a nice bright green dot. Okay, well, anyway, and what, and what uh, Jonathan says is, that a full-time employee has a substantially higher business cost than an outsourced or fractional solution. Good point. Yeah, probably. And he says your your marketing department is doing all these things, trying to do them all at once, <coughs> and maybe not doing them so well, right? So these activities fall on a, a few people who aren't subject matter experts in these categories, right? And... Fractional solutions mean that you can hire solution providers who bill by the hour and deliver outcomes across the marketing needs at substantially lower costs. <clears throat> I think there's something to that. And I think what, what he's Jonathan's really suggesting is that maybe the answer is to teach your marketing, your internal marketing people how to be managers of external vendors to get the job done. But this was the most interesting part, I thought. Uh, Jonathan said, I was having dinner with an executive at one of the world's largest entertainment companies, and he was concerned about his lack of internal leverage. Early on in my consulting career, we got a, we got a client. We got Amico 
oil, but not their not their light oils division. That's was the gasoline division. But we we got their we got their tires, batteries, and accessories. It turned out that this division of Amico was a hundred million dollar business, give or take, and they were they were required to chip in six percent of that for IT, and they wanted to do some things where they were in where they had more efficient contact with the gas stations so that they could keep their inventory well stocked and tell them about specials and those kinds of things and have them prepare for seasonal changes like stock up on batteries and snow tires you know in November or uh, instead of waiting until it you know everything <laughs> breaks loose in December and so uh, they went to their IT department and the, the IT department basically just laughed at them because you know Gasoline had like three SKUs. These guys had like 10,000. And so the IT department didn't support them at all. They basically ignored them. So Vic Hunter uh, knew some, actually he he was working with James Avery Craftsman, um, which was a jewelry company. That was one of his uh, his clients. And, and James down in San Antonio or Kerrville knew a guy at Amico. His brother was at Amico and, and was complaining about how they just had no leverage. And so Vic said, well, why don't you give us 3%? Okay, that's $3 million a year. That's nothing to sneeze at. And he said, we'll basically build whatever you want. Not only that, but we'll set up a team of telemarketers that can call on your, uh, that can call on your, your little gas stations because it's not worth it sending a salesperson to every little gas station all the time. And they liked that idea. And then we figured out a way to integrate to have the salespeople to manage their time and have them go at the bigger gas stations. Because even in gas stations, uh, though NBL said they all had 8 to 10 employees, actually, if you looked at their sales, those truck stops on I-80 had massive, massive sales. <laughs> the 80-20 worked even in gas stations where you think, that, oh, they're all just little corner businesses. Absolutely not. The top 1% did 25% of their business or 20% of their business. And so we were able to we were able to maximize the time of the sales force in going at the and, and talking to those large accounts and finding out their needs and those kinds of things. And then we were able to service the small accounts with outbound tele sales and mail. So we were able to then leverage that concept of of tailoring the marketing spend <clears throat> to the potential or the actual sales of <clears throat> bigger accounts with say it with Salesforce and and outbound telesales and mail <clears throat> and the smaller ones with just telesales and mail and the smallest ones with just mail <clears throat> and it was a very very efficient concept that got built in the early 80s okay and so so then we were able to take it to Deluxe Check, and from there it went to 3M, and from there it went to HP. And uh, at HP, I think Tom Siebel ran across it and relabeled it CRM. But if you've ever heard of CRM, now you know some of the origins of it. And, and I, I've reached out to Tom. I think we're still connected on LinkedIn, but he doesn't do LinkedIn as much as I do. Um, anyway, so there are ways of being more efficient, but, you know, it's not just throwing it all at the wall. And so you can gain more leverage with outsourcing. I think that's true. <clears throat> Here's to balance out the recession talk. 
Here's three big things pessimists tend to ignore uh, by Morgan Housel, the collaborative fund and the hustle. Okay. Despite the, the record of things, the, despite the record of things getting better for most people most of the time. So through history, human, human, humanity has had basically progress. Pessimism isn't just more common than optimism. It also sounds smarter. Yeah, better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming. <laughs> okay, pessimism is intellectually captivating. It also, I think, gets more news coverage. <laughs> Draws more attention than the optimist who often looks uh, oblivious to the current situation. Optimism sounds like a sales pitch, while pessimism sounds like someone trying to help you out. Especially nowadays when business bad news is so rampant. But there are three big things the, seduc the, the seduction of pessimism tends to ignore. One is being an optimist doesn't mean you think everything will be great. It means you think things will work out in the long run. Things will work out in the long run. You know, I'm impressed with... Like my friends from Lebanon, um, you know, that country's been, was, has been, basically been in civil war for like 30 years, or maybe 40 years, and yet they go back there and they visit their friends when things calm down for a while, and they, you know, family back there. And um, there, there are beautiful spots in Lebanon. It was the Riviera of the Middle East uh, for, for a long time. Anyway, even if the short run is constant change of setbacks, chain of setbacks, surprises, hassles, and challenges. The second one, and this is probably the best, people adapt. If you extend every negative trend indefinitely into the future, things look terrible. If instead you assume that every negative trend sparks a new innovation. You know, I took a few minutes last night and I was watching about how we can capture the, the moisture in the air, even in deserts, how we can capture the moisture in the air and that in the late 1900s, an, ar an archaeologist discovered structures, and he, he, he speculated that these things were designed to catch water in the air, to, to foster condensation and capture it. And so now, 130 years later, 140 years later, we're starting to actually build those things. And many of them use no electric power whatsoever or a very, very, very small amount, unlike desalinization plants. They said desalinization may be a thing of the past. <clears throat> so very, very optimistic. And, you know, it's basically caused by the water crisis worldwide. Something like a billion people don't have enough water. And it could, it, and it's supposed to be growing. Okay, so every good thing you now enjoy came from a bad thing that someone wanted to fix. Think about that. Okay. Finally, bad news tends to happen fast while good news moves slowly. Over time, the good news tends to be more powerful than the bad, but the speed at which they occur assures that bad news gets more attention than it deserves. Also good. Also good to think about. So, if you're struggling right now, and especially if you're looking to the future and you think the things that you're doing don't maybe don't won't get you through <laughs> think about outsourcing think about outsourcing your marketing database stuff with people who really know what they're doing you know think about 
people who've been through the recession. Maybe some old guy knows something that you haven't thought about and knows how to implement it, right? And I'm not saying fire your people. I'm saying teach them to work with suppliers for more leverage, for economical leverage. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.